Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season two, we're talking all about remote work. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I am excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Josh, and she has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. So I already love the engineering connection, and she doesn't really use it that much either. So since she completed undergrad, she had been living abroad and traveling the world as a teacher, and she's taught in some really cool destinations. And in 2021, she made the transition into being a full-time digital nomad. She loves traveling slowly and fully immersing herself into another country and culture. And so this is why this lifestyle is a dream come true for her. And so without further ado, we talk all about her travel teaching teaching and traveling, all the cool places she's been, and the transition into that digital nomad lifestyle so that she has more flexibility and location freedom. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I am super excited about the conversation today. So welcome, Josh, to the podcast. I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, I'm happy to be here. My name is Jash, and I was previously an international teacher traveling all around teaching English and then at an international school. And now I am a full-time digital nomad. Oh, so good. And so this season's all about remote work and we're going to get there. But before we get there, can you tell us a bit about what you studied in school and then how you made the decision to start teaching internationally? So I studied mechanical engineering. I graduated, finished my degree, have my bachelor's, and then I finished a semester early and I decided to take that to go abroad and just have a different experience. I originally wanted to study abroad, but it just never lined up. So I said, okay, I'm done early. I can use this little in-between time and still like make that happen. And so I went to Italy, I stayed there for three months and I literally fell in love with just living abroad, having all these different experiences and teaching. And so I never went back. (laughs) So I just kind of left my degree and just continued to teach all around the world. I taught in Italy, Senegal, South Korea, Haiti, and it's just been a great, great experience. Okay, that's so cool. And so my background's in engineering also. And like, there was this perception that like, I distinctly remember they told us like, you shouldn't study abroad if you're an engineer because it's gonna be too difficult with like the language differences and all of these things. And I don't know, did you have the same experience? Is that why you didn't study abroad? Um, I think my school just didn't have as many resources. Like things weren't set in place, especially with the engineering department to kind of make sure that things align so you wouldn't fall behind when you came back. So it was really hard. Engineering is hard. So I was like, let me just focus and finish. And then I was able to finish early. And so it all worked out for me. 
Totally. That's awesome. It's sometimes funny how things work out and it's like, yeah. okay, maybe this wasn't meant to be. So this is so cool. Can you tell us more about teaching in different countries and how you decided where to go or did you follow a job or what was that all like? Um, a lot of them were really just following the best opportunity, whatever popped in my lap. When I was finishing undergrad, I was applying to a bunch of different things to go abroad and a lot of them were teaching positions and I just knew, knew, knew I was going to Taiwan. That was where I was going to be for a year. I applied, did the long process for the Fulbright grant. And then after the semifinals, they were like, okay, no, thank you. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. <laughs> but I had already been applying for a lot of other things just in case it didn't fall through. But a lot of my journey has been just following the best opportunity. I had also applied to a program in Senegal through my university. And when I was in Italy, they sent me an email like, we want you to come. We're really excited to have you teach English to our students. And I was like, I thought I was going to Asia, but I'll go to Africa. <laughs> so then I went there. I stayed for five months. And then something in the back of my head was saying, like, maybe South Korea will be next. But then I also Taiwan was still there. Like, we're not going to give up on that yet. So I was applying to jobs literally everywhere. When I was coming to the end of my time in Senegal, I interviewed with places in like the Maldives, Thailand, Indonesia, and this was all before COVID. So the possibilities, there weren't any restrictions, there weren't any bans and stuff. So I was literally applying every and anywhere. And it ended up coming down to either Taiwan or South Korea. And something just said like, I think South Korea is where you need to go. And I just went there and it was really, really great. My job situation was a little iffy, but it was my first time really living on my own. In my previous experiences, I had host families or I lived on campus. So in South Korea, I had my own apartment. I was able to do whatever I want. I was like my first time really living on my own. And it was just a great, great experience. Like I love South Korea, the culture, the people, just the country as a whole. And then going to Haiti, it was actually a friend I met when I went there on vacation. It was like, you know, I know this school. Maybe you can come back and visit us again and see more of our country. And it didn't work out with that school. But actually, the person I talked to's spouse worked at another school, and then I ended up working for that school. So it's always just been like following different opportunities and possibilities, and I'm still doing the same thing now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Like it's it sounds just so exciting. So how did you get into teaching? Or you just knew you wanted to be abroad and teaching seems like a way to get into it? Or how did you come to that conclusion? So when I was applying to the Fulbright, it was a teaching position. So I did a lot of research on teaching English abroad. And I saw it was like this huge thing that nobody was talking about. So I just did a lot, a lot of research. And I was like, you can teach here and do this and you can teach here and like work 10 hours a week. And like, there were so many different possibilities all over the world. So I just dived in and did all this research. I found the program in Italy and I wasn't really like, I have to go to Italy, but the program just lined up and it was also a teaching position. So I was like, that'll work. And then it just, over time, I was like, I can really see myself doing this for more than just a year, more than just a semester. 
And so I just kept going. That's so cool. And so in preparation, did you get a teaching certificate or anything or how did that work out? So my first position, I didn't have any certifications, not really any experience. It was a volunteer position. So I only worked, I think, around 18 hours a week. And it was mostly just conversation. They wanted a native speaker to come and do different activities, get their kids to actually speak and practice their oral skills. When I finished that program, I did get TEFL certified before I went to Senegal. But other than that, I've just been learning in the classroom right next to my students. I love that so much. And like how exciting and reassuring, honestly, that like you can just go for it. Right. Awesome. You really don't need to have any formal experience or an education degree. Like a lot of people do this, like I did, like for a semester or a year abroad or a gap year. So they really, if you're willing to pack up all your stuff and move to another country, there's somebody waiting for you to teach and have you at their school. So cool. And so can you talk a little bit about like visas and how that worked in the different places that you taught in? So for Italy, as an American, you can go for three months on vacation. So you get 90 days and I was there for 87. (laughs) So (laughs) they kind of plan the program like that so that you don't overstay your visa. So they tell you when to book your flight and when you need to return by when the program will finish. I think getting an actual visa to go there longer may be a lot more difficult. For Senegal, also you can stay there for three months. And my school went to kind of get my papers and everything because I was there for five months. But in a lot of countries, it's kind of very relaxed. Like, oh, it's okay. You'll be fine. And I was. (laughs) (laughs) My boss was like, okay, we're going to get this in writing that she doesn't need to do all this paperwork and stuff. But they didn't ask me for anything. I didn't have to go through an extensive visa process. Excuse me. And then for South Korea, it was actually a process. There's a lot of paperwork and you have to get things like notarized and apostilled and get a background check because they have a lot of things put in place. Their program is designated for native English speakers from certain countries. So they have a specific visa for English teachers that are coming over and you have all the requirements. It didn't take too long, I think, maybe a month or maybe five weeks for me to go through the entire process. And it's some things that I had to do, some things my school had to do. I had to go to like the consulates and things like that. But to me, it wasn't that much, more than other countries, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And then Haiti was like Senegal. There are technically papers you have to get. But again, my job was really transparent about, you can start the process, but We've had people that have been here for years and they're still trying to get their paperwork done and nothing bad has really happened for them. And sometimes people do the whole visa run and all that, but I never had any issues or needed to do that. Awesome. And so you taught in some places with drastically different cultures. Can you talk about some similarities and also some differences you noticed in the different destinations? Um, I think overall people are just very welcoming. Like when you're a foreigner, sometimes you may think, okay, I don't know anything about this location. I don't have any friends. I don't have any family here. But everywhere I've gone, I've never felt like there's nobody here for me. I'm on my own. I have to do everything by myself. In Italy, my host family literally helped me with everything. 
and my school. When I was first starting out, my whole sister walked me to the bus stop. She's like, okay, this is the bus you need to get on. You get off here. If you miss the bus, you got to go to the train and you have to it's take it to this. O'clock. Sorry. And take it to this stop. So there's always people that are there to help you, whether it's a host family, a coworker, a boss, friends you meet. So I think everywhere has been like that. And a lot of times we think we're going to be on our own. We're going to have to figure everything out by ourselves, but that's just not the case. I've always been able to make community and be welcomed in, in every country. That's so amazing. And like, is there anything that stood out to you that was like, wow, this is how it was in Italy, but it's so different in Senegal, like in the classroom, maybe? Um, Let me think. I think a lot of things that are different or were shocking to me were students just wanting to learn. Like my students in Italy were really, really excited. It was a language school and English was their favorite language for a lot of the students. And so when I came in, they were like excited, like, what are we doing today? Are we playing a game? Are we listening to a song? And I was like, y'all really want to be here. <laughs> like you just think as an American and in other countries, like going to school is something you dread. You don't really want to be there. Maybe you have your favorite class or lunch and your friends, but like, I just have seen that so many students are really excited to learn and they just want to be there. So I saw that in Italy and it was the same thing in Korea. It also could have been the age difference because when I was in Korea, I was working with kindergartners. So they're just naturally like, yay, we're at school. We're going to play. But they were just like excited to learn. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. I know. I wish we could all just be so excited <laughs> to learn. It's I haven't been excited. Like as an adult, I'm excited to learn. But as a kid, like, no, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> awesome. And so now what shifted that had you make the decision to pursue that digital nomad lifestyle? I really, really loved teaching abroad. And I loved my time with my students and like preparing different lessons. But I also felt like being location independent, being have or being able to have control over my time and decide, okay, today I'm going to sleep in. Okay, today I'm going to wake up really early. Like those were just some freedoms I really wanted. And then there's always that workplace environment of like workplace politics and having to be like super nice to this person because they're probably going to be the boss next year. Like I didn't want to have to deal with all of that like fakeness and those workplace politic things, the small talk that you don't really care about. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so last year I decided to start transitioning. At the beginning of the year, I started looking for remote work, finding jobs, applying for jobs, figuring out what I needed, what skills, what a, how my resume should look. So just going through the process of finding a new job, but only on my computer. And so now I have control over my time. I figure out what I'm going to do throughout my day. There's no alarm shaking me out of my sleep at six o'clock. So I just have a lot more freedom and I can do a lot more traveling as well. Awesome. And so what do you do now? My main job is a virtual assistant. And I really love that too. <laughs> like last year, I tried a bunch of different jobs and being a virtual assistant was really my favorite just because I kind of enjoy that there's always something to do. I have to like stay on top of a bunch of different things. And I kind of thrive in that environment. I like having like just a slight 
bit too much to do and then being able to achieve that <laughs> it's just a weird personal goal maybe an engineer like I just like being super efficient so I want to have a goal that's a little bit like a stretch but then we're going to obtain it and then set it a little further the next day <laughs> and then I also do some freelance work as like a social media manager sometimes I do some graphic design so I kind of dabble in a lot of things but over that year, I learned all those skills. I did some work for people I know, some random freelance things, teaching myself, learning things online, taking different classes and stuff. And so now I have the skills and the finances to be able to be a full-time digital nomad. Awesome. And so how did you find your virtual assistant job? Do you work for one person or are you a virtual assistant for multiple people? So it's kind of been changing over time. I've kind of been working my network a lot and I have an elevator speech. So every time I see somebody that may need a virtual assistant or may need any of the things that I'm able to do, I'm always like, it sounds like you need an assistant. So I do that and this is what I can handle for you and da, 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 da. So I found a lot of my clients like that, like just right place, right time. Like one of my clients right now, I met on an airplane. I had another client that I met at a birthday party. Um, another one was from a job that I worked in person and they really saw what I could do. They were like, she works well, she's quick, she learns quick. We need to keep her on. And I was like, okay, but I'm not coming back to the building. <laughs> They're like, okay, you can do it remote. So a lot of it has been that. And then there's also so many resources online. I follow a bunch of people that work remote. I know a bunch of like websites and job boards and looking for companies that value remote work or have remote work company or remote first companies and just applying everywhere. That's so awesome. And like, I love what you said about how you found some of your clients because mm -hmm. it's so important to just keep your mind open to all the possibilities around you. Cause if you right. like didn't have that at the forefront of your mind, like you wouldn't be working with them because you wouldn't right. have like even considered talking about it. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. And you said in preparing to make this transition to being a digital nomad, you applied to a lot of jobs, like you did all sorts of things. So what did you learn about the remote work possibilities that are out there? I really learned that they're endless and they're really growing. So especially after the pandemic, the relationship between an employee and employer has changed drastically. So jobs that they said, oh, no, you have to come to the office, we now see can be done at home. Even for me, like I had friends that were trying to ask their employers for hybrid or to be remote a couple of days. And they said, no, 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 you have to come. And then during the pandemic, OK, you can work from home like so now it's possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's so many things that are changing and that need to be in the office for eight hours is no longer a need because we've seen firsthand that it can be done remote. It can be done part time. You don't have to be there all the time. You can still collaborate. There's so many tools like Zoom, Asana, all these different collaboration tools and ways you can communicate that you don't have to be sitting in a stuffy room with a long desk and 20 chairs for you to get something done. Totally. That's awesome. And so how do you balance your work with traveling and that sort of freedom? So I just started my digital nomad journey this year. And so I was in Connecticut, which is where I'm originally from and moved to Virginia. My mom moved. So 
where she goes, I go. <laughs> so now I work from home with her while I prepare to move to the next country. But a lot of it is just using my agenda, using things on my phone, like reminders and timers and my calendar and just writing things down. But again, I don't work eight hours a day because I don't need that. I have a set amount of time where I'm very productive. I don't like take a break and watch TikToks. So, like I'm really dialed in and working. And then when I'm off, I'm off. So I've just figured out how to maximize my productivity. And then that equals me le- working less in quotations, but really working the same, but in a shorter amount of time. I love that so much. Yeah. Your work kind of just spreads to fit the amount of time you allow it to if you right. give it more time, it's going to take more time. So that's awesome. And so where's the next country? So I'm actually figuring that out now. I plan to move hopefully this month or next month. But yes, my next country is going to be Mexico. I just have just like South Korea, it's just been always in my mind. Like, it just looks like a nice place to go. There's so many people there, like expats. And I just see like, oh, this person moved to Mexico City. This person's in Merida. This person's in Playa del Carmen. I was like, why I'm not there. (laughs) And then especially with everything going on, it's not super difficult to go to Mexico right now. You can stay for six months on a tourist visa. So I just feel like it's a bit a safe bet to go. It's not too far. If they say like, okay, you can't stay here for too long. I can just go home. (laughs) I'm going to go to Mexico. Awesome. Do you know what city or are you going to figure it out? I'm going to start in Mexico city. And then after that, I hope to go to maybe Merida or Mazatlan and kind of travel around. Awesome. Okay. Well, welcome to Mexico. I love it here. So (laughs) I came and then I kept staying. So (laughs) cool. And so how do you feel about the idea of freelancing versus working remotely for a single employer? And like, why do you think freelancing suits your lifestyle better? Um, I think it really depends on what you're looking for. With freelancing, there's a lot more organization because you may have multiple clients asking for different things. And sometimes those deadlines may overlap and they may not know, okay, I have three projects due on Thursday and Friday may be better, but that doesn't work for their timeline. So I think you need to be able to manage your time even more so as a freelancer because you may have different clients. Working for one company, you kind of get used to them. You get used to your coworkers and your superiors and things like that. So it really depends on how well you can organize, how well you have time management. And for me, I write everything down, like paper and pen, old school. So I know what I need to do, when I need to do it, and how I can organize everything. Awesome. So can you give some advice to someone who's looking to become a digital nomad, but they don't know where to start? I think a great place to start for me was to figure out what skills I had and what skills I wanted or needed to get the job I wanted. So I was able to write down everything like, okay, what are the skills of a digital nomad? Or what are the skills of this specific position? And then do I have any of them? So I already was very efficient with time and productivity, like that engineering mindset is still there. It's not going to go anywhere. And so that really helps me because I want to do things quickly in the most efficient way. So I stop before I do a task and figure out, 
what's the best way to do it? Even if it takes me like five minutes to figure that out, I'd rather take the time in the beginning to figure out, okay, this is the best and then actually go ahead and do it. So really evaluating your skills and figuring out what you can bring to the table and what you need to have on top of that. You can also look at what jobs you may be interested in. And one little trick you can use is to look at their job descriptions what skills or what things are they asking you for? And do you already have any? Or if not, how can you get them? So if you're looking for a position as, I don't know, a web designer, and they say you need to be proficient in Wix, maybe you go and take a class on Wix, or you make a prototype website or start playing around with it. So you can say, okay, I don't have formal experience, but look at this website I made in my free time. So you have something to say in an interview, you can kind of make up for things you might lack. So I think definitely looking at your skills and the skills you may need or want is a great place to start. So good. I love that. Cause like we are humans who can learn things. You don't have right. to have experience if you can figure it out and show proof that. So that's right. really great advice. And a lot and- of remote jobs, like that's what they're looking for. Somebody that's willing to learn, willing to kind of take the initiative to teach themselves something and not always say, okay, how do I attach this to an email? Like, can you Google that instead of asking (laughs) or can you watch a YouTube video? So that's how I've been learning a lot of stuff too, is just using those free resources online. Love it. That's so great. And so when you were looking for jobs, do you have any places that you recommend, any job boards, any places that you were successful or you liked the most? Um, not particularly. There were just too many. Like I was always Googling so much. I did find an article one time that had like a list of like 80 different remote first companies. And so I literally went and clicked on each link. Okay, this doesn't have anything for me. Okay, click the next one. Okay, I might be able to do this. Let me apply to this. So like finding resources that are already out there and companies that are looking for remote work was the best bet for me. You can also use things like LinkedIn and stuff and change like the position you're looking for. And then LinkedIn will kind of put your face out there. So I put in my LinkedIn that I wanted to be a virtual assistant. And then I had companies in my area reaching out like, hey, we want you to be a virtual assistant for this. Can you interview? And a lot of them were hybrids. So I was like, no, <laughs> but like LinkedIn will kind of do some of that work for you and other apps like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know you on LinkedIn, you can change it to like looking for remote work, but like, that's great if you put the exact job title you're looking for as well. And yeah, that it feels good. Like even if it's hybrid, even if it's not right, like people want you. So that sort of just builds the momentum into where you want to be working remotely. And then hybrid may not be a deal breaker for a lot of people. So if you are okay with, I just want to be home like more, not all the time, but more then a hybrid position might work for you. Totally. Great advice. Awesome. So if people want to learn more about you, where can we find you online? Okay. So I'm, I am Jay Ashley on all social networks, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And then I also have a website. I am jayashley.com. I-A-M-J-A-S-H-L-E-Y.com. Perfect. And I'm going to link it all in the show notes so everyone can find it easily. Amazing. I'm so thankful for you coming on and such a fun conversation. Do you have any final words, any little bits of inspo you want to send to the people before we wrap up? Uh, I think I'll just say if you want to go remote, just do it. It may take time to transition. My transition took a year, 
but I regret nothing. I learned so much. I'm still learning and I just love this new lifestyle and it is attainable no matter what you studied in school. Even if you didn't study in school, like there's so many resources out there, you can do it. Awesome. So good. And guys, definitely follow Josh because she makes really good reels and they're helpful. (laughs) And so (laughs) especially for this whole remote working thing. So do that. Thank you again, Josh. It was such a pleasure having you on. And thanks everyone for tuning in. I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Before you go, if you believe remote work is your path to more travel, but feel overwhelmed trying to find a job that will allow you the freedom you so desire, I've got you. The doors to my mini course, Remote Work and How to Find It, are now open. We cover everything from determining what kind of jobs will best suit your lifestyle, where to find these jobs, how to craft a resume and cover letter for success, and tips and tricks to succeed in the digital nomad lifestyle. You'll also gain access to a private Facebook group so you can have support in each step of your journey. Enroll now at travelshifters.com slash remote dash work or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at the travel shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.